reading from Isaiah. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us, and the great favor to the house of Israel that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, Surely these are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior in their distress. It was no messenger or angel, but his presence that saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
A reading from Matthew. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under the Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. 
perseverance to renew the Anglican inheritance in North America. Grant that, joined together in unity with our bishops and nourished by your holy sacraments, we may proclaim the gospel of redemption with apostolic zeal through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Most holy God, the source of all good desires, all right judgments, and all just works, give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, so that our minds may be fixed on the doing of your will, and that we, being delivered from the fear of all enemies, may live in peace and quietness through the mercies of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ, give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, pity the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. Amen. It is my pleasure to welcome you this evening to Evensong, and to remind you that Evensong will return on November the 28th, after a brief break next week for Thanksgiving. You're very welcome here, and to signify that welcome, we have a wonderful pot of, of minestrone soup bubbling away, uh, waiting for you uh, for supper uh, after, after Evensong. Hope that you'll be able to join us then. <coughs> and one practical note, which is that uh, in order to, uh, to leave the parking lot, you will need to have your ticket validated at the front desk. So if you would please uh, remember that. It is a great pleasure for us tonight to have the choristers of St. Paul's Cleveland Heights. Such a, a beautiful sound in this beautiful surround. And a special pleasure to have the Reverend Jeannie Leinbach, who is the rector of St. Paul's, to provide us with our homily this evening. Jeannie. Good evening. With the church calendar of saints, today we remember and celebrate Samuel Seabury, the first bishop of the Episcopal Church in the United States. Seabury was born in Groton, Connecticut in November of 1729. He was ordained to the priesthood in 1753. He was 24 years old. He served as rector of Grace Church on Long Island and as rector of St. Peter's in Westchester County, New York. And during the American Revolution, Seabury remained loyal to the British crown and served as a chaplain in the British Army. After the Revolution, a meeting of kinetic clergymen named Seabury or the Reverend Jeremiah Leeming, whichever would be able or willing, to seek Episcopal consecration to become the first bishop in the United States. Leeming declined, and Seabury accepted. Episcopal consecration happens um, through the laying on of hands by a bishop. And since there were no Anglican bishops in the United States, to consecrate Seabury, he sailed to England. Even after a year of negotiation, Seabury was not able to obtain Episcopal orders from the Church of England because as an American citizen, he could not swear allegiance to the crown, to King George III. 
And so he turned to the non-juring bishops of the Episcopal Church of Scotland. Non-juring bishops did not swear allegiance to King George. And so on November 14, 1784, in Aberdeen, Scotland, Seabury was consecrated by three bishops in the presence of a number of the clergy and laity. On his return home, Seabury was recognized as Bishop of Connecticut, and he was active in the organization of the Episcopal Church at the General Convention of 1789. He kept his promise made in a concordat with the Scottish bishops to persuade the American Church to adopt the Scottish form for the celebration of the Holy Eucharist. So, for example, the invocation in Rite 1 comes from the Scottish Book of Common Prayer of 1637. So you might recall these words. We most humbly beseech thee, O merciful Father, to hear us, and of thy almighty goodness vouchsafe to bless and sanctify with thy word and Holy Spirit these thy gifts and creatures of bread and wine. Those words come from the Scottish Book of Common Prayer. So at the General Convention of 1792, Seabury participated in the first consecration of a bishop on American soil, John Claggett of Maryland. And so the apostolic succession, the laying on of hands from one bishop to the next, continues here in the United States. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In a sense, Seabury was one of the few, the first bishop of the Episcopal Church in the United States. He was a laborer, persistent in his mission to bring apostolic succession here to the United States. We are all called to be laborers, called to our particular mission through our baptism. Our passage this evening from Isaiah reminds us from where our strength comes to share our particular gifts with one another. Isaiah recounts the gracious deeds of the Lord, the mercy shown to the house of Israel, the abundance of his steadfast love. His presence saved them. How many times have you thought about someone whom you haven't seen or heard from in a while? And then a few days later, you run into them, or you get a call from them, or you hear something about them from someone else. It happens, doesn't it? How often have you been talking to someone on a random topic, and yet they say something that is precisely what you need to hear in that moment to help you deal with an issue going on in your life? How often have you decided to check in on a friend or a relative and then discover that they could use some love and support around a problem they are experiencing? There is a connectedness between us, something abstract, it's inexplicable, it's mysterious. A few years ago, I got a call from a college friend that I hadn't spoken with in several years. And she called just to catch up. Well, I did have some news to share with her. I was dealing with a cancer diagnosis. And so I started telling her about how it was discovered, about what type of cancer it was, what stage it was in, and the various DNA markers that determine the type of treatment that will be given. 
And in fact, I told her I was beginning chemotherapy the next day. Well, guess what? She had just completed treatment for the same type of cancer. Same stage, same DNA markers, same surgery that was to come. Really, what are the chances that the timing of that phone call was just completely random? There is a connectedness between us, abstract, inexplicable, mysterious. That connectedness is God. Isaiah recounts the, the gracious deeds of the Lord, the mercy shown to the house of Israel, the abundance of his steadfast love. His presence saved them. His presence saves us. This is why we keep our hearts open to understand how to share our particular gifts with one another, to recognize God loving us through one another, to know God's love which creates, comforts, nurtures, and inspires. Amen.
After a long day, evening has fallen with its promise of stillness and quiet. We pray for the grace to be still and quiet in the presence of God. After a long day, evening offers us opportunity to lay aside stress we have experienced, weariness we may feel, unhappiness we may have encountered. We pray for the grace to find relief from stress, rest for our weariness, and happiness in your creation. After a long day, evening brings darkness. We pray for the grace to know your light and to rejoice in your promise that this night will lead us to a new day of hope and promise, of happiness and energy, of accomplishment and satisfaction. In your name we pray, amen. Since it is by your mercy, O oh God, that another day has been added to our lives, we here dedicate ourselves, our bodies and souls to you and to your service. In which resolution, God, confirm and strengthen us that as we grow in age, we may grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, in whose name we offer these, our imperfect prayers. Amen. We say together, bring us, O Lord God, at our last awakening into the house and gate of heaven, to enter into that gate and dwell in that house, where there shall be no darkness or dazzling, but one of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always.